When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey IDP Army, ever think about making your own podcast? Let me tell you about Anchor. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. And you can make some money with your podcast too, with no minimum listenership. It's got everything that you need to make a podcast all in one place. So what are you waiting for IDP Army? Download the free Anchor app and go to anchor.fm to get started today. What's up, IDP Army? It's your man, Jordan Reigns, at 50 Shades of Drunk, if you're on Twitter, a.k.a. the Cardi B of IDP. If you're in leagues with me, the Green Ranger, back again with the IDP Army podcast. Tonight, we have a special episode. We're going to be talking some dynasty draft strategy, redraft strategy, just some, you know, some high level fantasy strategy stuff, zero wide receiver uh, theory. And then we're going to be talking some Giants and some Bears fantasy outlook for 2021 with two people that I consider friends in the industry, colleagues, people that I respect. I'm very proud and it's just been awesome to watch them grow. We are going to be joined shortly by Dave Kluge, contributor for Football Guys, and Steffi Smalls, contributor for FTN, Fade the Noise, both co-hosts of our Friday show. You already know it's Friday. You've probably already seen them today. I'm thankful they're going to be joining me. Before they hop in here, though, I want to uh, let you guys know we do have a new show on the pod stream. Uh, new show is going to be called Offensive Points. That's going to be hosted by Billy Manzel, Joe Wiggins, and Josh Hall. The first episode, if you are listening to this on the podcast stream, you already heard it yesterday. It's really good. Um, it's going to be a fun show. It's going to focus on fantasy sports, uh, NFL, NFL draft. They're going to talk golf. There's, you know, it's just going to be a good all around, um, you know, fantasy and uh, sports culture podcast. So that's going to be on the feed from now on. So if you all want to listen to that, we'd appreciate it. Go give those guys a review because they just got started. Give them a listen. Um, I listened. It's pretty good for their first their first really foray into the, the, the podcasting world. So go give them a listen. Uh, like you said, the IDP Army is growing. We are adding another show soon. That probably won't be on this exact feed. But yeah, I think things are going down. So all right, that's enough babbling from me. I'm going to go ahead and bring in the man, the mystery, the legend, Dave Kluge. And of course, everybody knows Steffi Smalls. What's up, guys? What's happening, What's Jordan? Up? Thanks for having us, man. Yeah, yeah. excited. Yeah, so obviously we're going to be talking about Dave's zero wide receiver draft strategy, which he dropped that uh, that article about earlier this week on Football Guys. So you guys need to go check that out. And then we're going to be talking about their two hometown teams. We're going to be talking about the Chicago Bears. And of course, we're going to be talking mostly IDP, all fantasy football. As always, both sides of the ball will be in play. So we'll be talking about, you know, maybe these teams only have a short you know, roster of offensive players to talk about, but there are some hitters on defense on both these teams. So we are going to talk to you all about that. But Dave, Steph, tell me how you guys doing today. 
Doing great. For, yeah, we, yeah. Uh, we we just had a show earlier today with uh, Denny Carter and Cooter Doodle, which was a ton of fun. Uh, you know, if you're looking for some hard hitting fantasy analysis, that is not the show that you want to watch. But if you're looking to get to know Denny Carter and Cooter Doodle a little bit, definitely recommend checking it out. <laughs> nice, it's so nice. funny. I'm not used to like being on a show with Dave. That's like not our show. <laughs> That's not Dave so like, running the show. This is weird. I'm waiting for Dave to tell me to say, like, to lead into me saying something. So now what? I know. I see you guys um, all the time, and I'm here too. And I'm just like, oh, it's me. <laughs> oh no, no! I'm so happy that we got to finally like catch up with you. You know? Yeah, we we've had this all the time, and then to do a show is a whole nother thing. Yeah, and no, for real. We, you know, we're always doing 4 p.m. Eastern, so I've I've got my windows open. It's nice and sunny out. I'm watching the kids play out in the street. People walking their dogs and. I'm just sitting here in the dark tonight. <laughs> yeah, I got to. Unfortunately, I'm tied to two kids, so I got to go after bedtime. So uh, but before we jump into the meat of the show, I want to go over two polls um, that I posted on. One was on my Twitter and I want to talk about quickly. I posted this the other day, April 18th. Who would you rather have on your roster in Dynasty? It was Shaq Barrett or Jabril Peppers. It ended up coming in really close. Shaq Barrett came in at 52%. Jabril Peppers came in at 48%. So I quickly want to bring these two up for y'all. Um, first off, Shaq Barrett and Jabril Peppers are both amazing IDP assets. Uh, there really isn't a right or wrong answer, but I, I erred on the Jabril Peppers side. Um, you know, obviously Shaq Barrett kind of came out of nowhere. He is a Super Bowl champion now. 57 tackles, only eight sacks last year, but he still finished as a top 12 uh, IDP defensive line player while you know while coming in with sub 10 sacks. So you love to see that. 13.6 points per game. And then if you compare him to Jabril Peppers, who we will be talking about a little bit more when we get to the Giants, 91 tackles. That was a career high for him. 25 impact plays, which is super high for a defensive back. I think the only defensive back who had more than him this last year was Jamal Adams. 11 pass deflections, which you love to see. Uh, 15 points per game, and that was with a slow start. So that was one poll that, that came in really close I wanted to talk about. Um, what do you guys think about these players? I know you guys don't play a lot of IDP, but you know who Shaq Barrett is. We all know who Jabril Peppers is. Uh, Steph, I guess we'll start with you because you have the, the we have bonded over Jabril Peppers before. So yeah, what do you think about Jabril Peppers uh, this next year? Um, going forward, I think you know? you know, especially coming off of a career high year and the way that the defense looks. I mean, he's one of the most reliable defensive players that there is in this league. I mean, this is a guy that. He just is dominant on the field, which is all I think coming to the Giants was the best thing that ever happened to him. He was able to absolutely, I'm looking at Jordan's face, trying not to laugh. Um, but really, like, uh, Jabril Peppers can, I think, can only go up from here. I think that he has proven that. Uh, you know, I read an article a couple of days ago where I don't know if it was Patrick Graham or who said this, where he can get away with a little bit more because he has that raw talent, right? Like, he is the guy that is going to make the play, he's a playmaker for the Giants. He did phenomenal this year. I mean, his numbers are un unheard of. The Giants wouldn't be uh, sitting at the record that they were at if it wasn't for players like Jabril Peppers. But then again, Shaq Barrett, I, I have a soft spot for him as well. Um, you know, he's still coming off of a great season. But in this case, I'm going Jabril Peppers. And that's the in an unbiased way. I still probably am picking Jabril Peppers just because I think it's only up for here uh, from here for him. Yeah, he didn't even hit 100 tackles either, so he left meat on the bone. He's an impact player. Uh, Dave, you got any strong thoughts about Shaq Barrett, the pass rusher, or Jabril Peppers, the uh, the kind of Swiss Army knife guy? 
Well, yeah, the one thing I don't understand with Jabril Peppers, and I still haven't been able to wrap my mind around this, is why the Browns gave up on him after two years. It still mm-hmm. just doesn't really make sense to me. He was one of the younger and one of the best defenders in the league when they gave up on him, and he still just continues to improve. So I think you're just going to see him continue, like Steph said, getting better and better year after year because he's just getting more comfortable in that defense. You know, he's going into year five now, and this is the longest that he's been with a pro team in the NFL. So I'm a huge fan of Jabril Peppers, his talent. Um, a question I have, though, when I was looking at those stats, what, how do you quantify impact plays? What is an impact play? Exactly? That is an I, awesome I, question. Know, I'm, not, I'm not a huge IDP guy, so I'm also here to learn as much as I can tonight. So, uh, you know, give me give me the 411 on impact plays. All right. Here's the 411 impact play. So IDP 123 is an IB scoring system that I created, have branded, been marketing and pushing out there and it's been catching on. But it basically goes like this. One point plays are assisted tackles and quarterback hits. Two point plays are solos and tackles for loss. Three-point plays are forced fumble, fumble recoveries, pass defended, block kicks, and then six-point plays are sacks, interceptions. Now, the difference between an impact play and a non-impact play is pretty easy. Um, Anything that's not a quarterback hit or a tackle is going to be an impact play. So why is that? Uh, Because all of those plays are going to be a net value of more than three points. Um, so that means they're they're kind of the most impactful plays on the field as well, because a forced fumble creates a turnover opportunity. A fumble recovery is a turnover. A pass defended means that the ball has not progressed down the field at all. So if a tackle happens, that means this, the, the stop has happened while the offense has moved forward. So that's not as impactful. So that's why it's a two point play with a solo. So as you compare that to a tackle for loss, which is going to get you uh, the solo and the tackle for loss, it's moving the line of scrimmage backwards. That's an impact play. So I have a, I put a thread out. I'll, I'll tag you in it later. Um, but it kind of explains why these these plays are what they are. But they all have a definition. And essentially, it comes down to if it creates a turnover opportunity, is a turnover, is a defensive score, or if it stops the ball from progressing forward, it's an impact play. And then everything else, tackles, like I said, the, the, the offense has moved forward and the quarterback hit. You're affecting the quarterback in some way, but we can't. We don't know if that ended up in an incompletion. We don't know if that ended up in a touchdown. We just know that the, the, the pressure was enough to where you affected the quarterback. So I gave that a one-point score as well because I wanted to give some sort of like on pressure points. So those are that's what an impact play is. So just for a frame of reference, um, like a high number of impact plays is 20. A, like a super high number is like 25. Jabril Peppers had 25 and he started out the year really slow. Um, I don't even think Derwin James, who everybody loves at the safety position, has even had a 25 impact play season. I'm trying to double check that real quick, but that's just to give you a frame of reference of really how well Jabril Peppers played this year for the Giants. Um, he he and Blake Martinez, people love to dunk all over, mm-hmm. but they're good. Like they're good. And I'll talk about it later when we get into the Giants. But another thing to remember is coming back into a system with Patrick Graham, who I personally think is one of the best defensive minds right now in the league. He's a phenomenal coach. Um, I think having him come back with these players that are already playing exceptionally well um, is can only lead to better things. Yeah. Agreed. All right. I want to touch quickly on the, yeah. Okay. So for, okay. Derwin James and his all pro season as rookie, he had 24 impact plays. So we had one less than Jabril Peppers had this year. That's just to give you some context or how good Jabril Peppers was this last year. Um, so the other poll I saw today was on the Twitter page. If anyone's on the any given Sunday IDP fantasy uh, Twitter, there was a poll that said, which side of this trade would you want Joey Bosa or Aaron Donald plus a 2022 fourth? Um, Aaron Donald won this by a landslide pretty much. He got 30 votes compared to Bosa's 10. And I got on there and I just brought to, to light. So I'm not, I'm, I'm kind of known around the around as like an Aaron Donald hater. I'm not an Aaron Donald hater as much as I think there's an Aaron Donald fetish in the NFL. 
So people just kind of default to him being the best. So he's just always the right answer. And I put this on there, you know, Joey Bosa outscored Donald by almost a full point per game. Um, and people cite that Aaron Donald is a positional advantage, but DeForest Buckner actually outscored him at the defensive tackle position this year. So I've actually got their stats here. I'll pull them up. So this is Joey Bosa. What really stands out about Bosa this year was he played injured and still had 15 tackles for loss. Um, 14.7 points per game, and he had 40 tackles. That's pretty good. 17 total impact plays. He doesn't do a lot besides the the uh, the tackles for loss and impact plays. If you go look at his career, I think he's only got like two pass deflections and three or four forced fumbles in like five seasons, but he gets behind the line of scrimmage. Um, and that's something that Aaron Donald is known for. He's led the league in tackles for loss the past couple of years. Joey Bosa played four less games than him and had three more tackles for loss than him. He averaged more points per game than him. And Joey Bosa's got like a 70 tackle uh, ceiling on a season, whereas Aaron Donald, I believe his, his career high was this year. I think he just barely went over 50. So I went on there and like I said, I, I kind of let some people know that I disagreed with how this poll was going. I laid out some facts as to why that is. Um, I know that Aaron Donald's a great player, but if we're talking fantasy points, I just wanted people to know on the podcast that you, if people in your league really believe Aaron Donald is that big of a positional advantage, they're just, I don't, they're not looking at the facts. Um, so you really need to make sure you guys are doing your research and paying attention. Sometimes these narratives about how great a player is doesn't translate necessarily to giving you the most fantasy points. So. And I feel like that's something I learned from you now that I'm getting into IDP is it's very easy. Like there's flashy names and a little bit more flashier than like the, a normal league is with IDP. They get attached to players like that when you could still uh, get the same amount of points, if not more from a player that maybe doesn't seem uh, as flashy. Mm, yeah. Well, I guess I was a little bit off here. Aaron Donald actually did put up, he put up six more points than DeForest Buckner, but people I've, I've heard and seen people call Aaron Donald, or you will see people call Aaron Donald a, a positional advantage the way that Travis Kelsey is. And that's just simply untrue. Um, so I just wanted to put that out there because I can't wait for people to just completely flame me on Twitter tomorrow. So, <laughs> all right, that's enough of the IDP crap. You guys aren't even here for that. Dave. Tell us about zero wide receiver theory, the thesis, the thought process. Why is this a thing? Why are you making this a thing? Why are you such a rabble rouser, Dave? Rabble rouser. I really like that. I'm going to, I might add that to my Twitter bio, Dave Kluge rabble rouser. No, but uh, <laughs> I mean, for me, it's just when you look at the trend, the way that the NFL is heading right now, and uh, you can find this in the article that I wrote. I got a chart that lays it out really easily, but basically, um, you know, bell cow running backs are just disappearing. You don't have them anymore. 10 years ago when you were playing fantasy football, you could be sitting there in the fifth or sixth round and still drafting a guy that was going to get 250 plus carries. Now it seems like every team is starting to head towards these running backs uh, by committee, the backfields. And it makes sense because, you know, it lengthens careers. It lowers the risk of injury. There's a lot of reasons for it. Um, unfortunately though, what works for teams and what works for uh, these front offices doesn't help in fantasy. So I put it down to a pretty short list of players that I think have a chance of hitting 300 plus carries and there's only about 15 players on that list so you know you can certainly take the risk of hoping to get some guy off the waiver wire you know james robinson and mike davis we saw those guys last year but for me i like the peace of mind of just locking in those guys early and it's not just that you're locking in these early guys and then completely punting on wide receiver you can get your early round running backs and then still get a lot of value at the wide receiver position late last year out of the top 10 wide receivers, five of them were drafted outside of the fourth round. So that was uh, Calvin Ridley, who, 
you know, I got I got the list right here. Let me pull it up. It was uh, Stephon Diggs, Calvin Ridley, DK Metcalf, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen. All those guys were getting drafted in the fifth round or later and finished top 10. And there's a lot of guys this year that I think can do that again, whether it be because of, you know, targets or coming off of an injury. And it's not that every guy that you draft late is going to hit, but I think there's a lot of value that can be found late and you're not finding that same value. When you're looking at those fifth round running backs, Right now, you're torn between, you know, drafting a guy like A.J. Dillon, who needs an injury to be relevant, when you can get a guy like Cortland Sutton, who could very well finish as a low-end wide receiver one. So I'm all about locking in that positional scarcity as early as possible and then trying to get somebody late that can that can pay off as a wide receiver one. Nice, nice. Steph, um, I'm sure you and Dave have talked about this. I mean, we did talk about this in our group chat a couple of weeks ago. What are your thoughts on this uh, draft strategy? And my kind of my next question, which you can go ahead and harp on this and we'll circle back to Dave, but I feel like part of the reason that this could be and is something we're talking about is because the NFL is skewing more pass heavy. Do you think that it's going to continue to to be a pass heavy league and maybe even lean into that more? Yeah, so this is Dave's fault that now I am totally like a zero wide receiver and I maybe take it too far because you can't be like um, the tight end fanatic that I am and then also be a zero wide receiver person because now you're you're placing yourself very far back into the draft. Um, no, but I, you know, there's a lot of truth to it. I think also you have to gauge the way a draft is going as well too. So if you're seeing that, you know, those guys that you were like, Oh crap, I thought I was going to get him in the fifth rounds. Then maybe it's time to, instead of go ahead and take your third running back, then maybe go ahead and take some value at wide receiver there. Uh, But there's definitely a lot to it. And I I don't think that Dave is wrong. I, I think that especially you see a lot of times there's teams are more likely to have an RB one and an RB one that's um, like that gets all the targets. And then they can have like a wide receiver one, wide receiver two, wide receiver three that they go to and get targets. But really a lot of these teams are relying on one running back. And that's the guy that's going to get the targets. He's going to get you points throughout the, uh, throughout the season. I mean, I think about my New York giants, right? Like there's one running back on that team. It does not matter who, who they add, what happens. That's the running back. It's the only running back that's worth uh drafting and uh that happens i feel like across the the league on a lot of teams so and with you know switching to a with the way the game is switching to this pass heavy game look at the teams that were unsuccessful what's the one thing is they don't have a passing game um so yeah i think it's switching that way i think that the teams that are still playing old-fashioned are the ones that are not doing well the ones that are getting with the times uh and switching and getting a uh, getting their pass attack up to to par with the rest of the, the squad across the league and they're the ones that are being successful so i do think that that's the way it's moving and also when you when you look at the rules that are being set in place for protecting the quarterback and, you know yeah. not contacting receivers when they're coming out uh, off the line. I mean, that just makes teams want to start heading in that direction. So we've seen the league becoming more and more pass heavy. And with the rules that keep coming out every single year, Mm -hmm. it's only going to keep doing that. Yeah. So, yeah. And I mean, with quarterbacks that seem to be in the league right now, I mean, we have a lot of really good arm talent. We have a lot of young wide receiver talent. And like you said, with the run, with the, the game changing where you don't have as many teams that are, you know, with this old school mentality of handing the rock off, um, it, you, you you do get these guys, that, these teams have multiple players. I mean, you said Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson. I mean, Calvin Ridley, Julio when he was playing, you know, um, Cole Beasley 
was fine and Stefan Diggs was incredible, you know, Lockett, Metcalf. So in, 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 if that continues, like you said, Dave, there definitely I like this strategy because you're going to be able to go deeper into your drafts and you're still going to get guys not only with upside, you're going to get guys that you can get confident floors with, too. Um, and that's what I think is different about this year than past years, or at least the level of confidence that we're going to have that kind of floor. Um, now, one one thing I do want to say, and I feel like I have to put this disclaimer out there, is you don't want to treat any draft strategy like the Bible. And stuff kind of hinted at this a little bit, but you do have to play what comes to you. So when when I say zero wide receiver, I mean, I'd be crazy if I'm sitting in the middle of the second round and Devontae Adams is still there. I'm taking Devontae Adams. And if I'm sitting, you know, late third and Keenan Allen is there, I'm making I'm, I'm still going to do that. So there are some values that you still need to work out. Um, I, I think it's something that's very advantageous but there's also value that just can't be passed up. So if everybody in your league is smashing wide receiver or running back for the first two rounds, and for some reason, Devontae Adams or Tyree Killer is still there in the second, you'd be an idiot to take somebody like, you know, Chris Carson over uh, <gasps> Devontae Adams. So you've got to well, you yeah. know. Yeah, you, you got to over Devontae Adams. Yeah. <laughs> Chris Carson's a Chris Carson's a good running back now. Let's 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 be easy. I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do oh, Carson I, I, now. I got him at eleven. I've got him at RB eleven. That's good. That's good. Don't you're worry, getting, they're gonna be running a lot. You're getting close. <laughs> you're getting close to. You're getting close. <laughs> All right. Um. So I wanted to ask. This is the question will be contextual for two different setups, but it'll be essentially the same question. So who are zero wide receiver targets in dynasty startups or slash trades that you're interested in? Trade market would obviously, or you know, an example, Adam Thielen. To me, right now, Adam Thielen represents, I mean, he's just money. I mean, there's almost no way that he misses in my mind. Um, and you're going to be able to get him. I don't know what his ADP is currently, but I know that it's nowhere near where it should be just without even looking. I did a mock yesterday, and Adam Thielen went in the fifth round. This guy's yeah. a wide receiver one every single year, and he doesn't have that crazy upside. Like, he's never going to be a top three guy. But if you're looking for somebody that can almost be locked in to finish like seven to 12, Adam Thielen every single year. But but for me, the biggest dynasty buy for me right now is Cortland Sutton. Uh, we already saw that guy break out in 2019. He had three quarterbacks throwing the ball to him. He had Brandon Allen, Drew Locke, Joe Flacco, and, I mean, arguably three of the worst quarterbacks in the league that year. And he still turned out 1,100 yards, six touchdowns, was just mossing people every single week. Six foot four, ton of speed. He's got all of the tools to be one of those alpha receivers in the league. And I get it. You know, he's coming off an ACL injury. People are scared about that, but he's still young and he's got all of these signs uh, that you want to see for somebody that can have an injury that you can bounce back from. So Cortland Sutton is my biggest dynasty wide receiver by right now. You aren't scared of Judy. I'm not. Judy I'm not put up like, either. well, I'm not going to talk about ham. I'm talking about Judy. He put up like 800 yards or something crazy, like low key this year. He did. I, I think he was actually number two in air yards too. I mean, yeah. he, and, and, and the thing people are starting to get a little nervous because give him a couple of catchable, give him a couple of catchable balls and we might be cooking with gas. <laughs> I see that all the time. I can't, I've never heard anyone else say that. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. I think, don't they say that? Isn't that like something that, that guy says arrested development? I think that, uh, I have no idea. I've never heard anyone else. Everyone calls me crazy for saying that. Oh my gosh. I love that you just said that. Wow. Okay. Sorry, just um, a quick little moment there. No, but hey, let's have as many moments as we can. Listen, <laughs> what do you think about this comp? Okay, let's let's just get takey. Let's just have some fun. Okay. So Devontae Adams, Jordy Nelson. All right. Now fast forward, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen. 
we got how we feel about that. We think we're going to get another high. You know, we have two guys that we can really count on because, you know, that Jordy Nelson had some really good years with Devontae Adams still putting up some big numbers coming in. Aging veteran, you know, with a quarterback that he knew that was trusted. I feel like we're getting a similar sort of narrative storyline playing out right now with Cousins in Thielen. Um, and Jordy Nelson was no slouch. I mean, he just, I mean, getting in those soft spots, you know, getting those, those touchdowns, you know, and cousins can cousins is not a cousins is an underrated quarterback. Um, what, what do you think? Is that a, is that a fun comp? Is that something we could maybe start saying, or is that a little too crazy? I think the defense last year was the reason that they were able to support two high end wide receivers. They beefed up that defense a lot this off season. So I don't know if we're going to be seeing a lot of those shootouts. Um, I, 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 I don't know. I'm a little bit nervous about both of those guys because I think one of them is going to regress heavily this year, and I'm not sure who it's going to be. If I had to put my money, it would be on Adam Thielen. But I've also been expecting Adam Thielen to regress for like the last three years, and he hasn't done it yet. So I think that that beefed-up defense is going to help them out a little bit. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm slightly worried about Justin Jefferson. Fair, fair. All right, so Adam Thielen, um, we kind of talked about Cortland Sutton. Um, we are going to talk about Allen Robinson and Kenny Galladay at length soon. So let's just pretend that we aren't going to talk about them. Is there mm-hmm. anyone else that you're right now anyway? Is there anybody else in Dynasty right now that you're kind of targeting in this zero wide receiver draft world? I have two that are my big ones. I think I've noticed because I was a fool and did all these startups and whatever, the two guys I'm seeing fall that I would have been interested in regardless of, um, and thank God, you know, Dave converted me to this zero wide receiver thing is uh, Denzel Mims and Ayuk. Uh, Both of those players I think are getting, you know, people are just turning their head to them for some reason. I don't know why Ayuk is getting like such a, a bad taste in everyone's mouth, but someone like Mims, also, he's coming off a, a good season working with crap. Um, so you give him a new coach. You give him, a, I'm, you know what, maybe it's Wilson is what everyone thinks it's going to be. But you bring him a quarterback that maybe fits into the system a little bit better. And I don't see why Mims couldn't be a very productive uh, fantasy player. I didn't know you were a woman of faith. Put, <laughs> talk, talking about Mims out here. I am. <laughs> I guess you're a Giants fan, so you guys know that faith can lead to good things. So, yeah, so my, my one rebuttal to that, and it's a it's a very is Corey rebuttal. Davis. Well, I wasn't even gonna say Mims. <laughs> I was gonna go. I was gonna go to Ayuk because I I I love Ayuk. I mean, what we saw last year, he looks so good. But He's that's a, a run first team with three really good pass catchers. So you know they he- like to run the ball a lot. Debo Samuel and George Kittle are both coming back next year. I think George Kittle instantly becomes the number one pass catching option. Debo, you know, he plays that weird role where he's catching the ball behind the line of scrimmage, but I don't know how much, you know, there, there is to go around in that pass game for three guys. So my thing is with that, this is my only defense for him. And I am very, I don't know why. I, I think I'm, I think I'm finding out that I'm, I might be a truther um, is because he like, on, he's left wide open a lot. Like there it's very, a lot of wasted passes, like on players that should not have been passed. Like he's wide open a lot of times when maybe there's incompletions. And I think if there is a potential there for someone new to come in, that's where I have a little bit faith. I mean, he still is like what he's coming off like 
uh, shy of 750 yards, I think. And he um, somewhere and played around hurt there. too. He was he was banged yeah. up. Yeah, like, so season. I just think that the the potential is so much there. And watching how many times like he's wide open, ready for the ball, and like that's one of the most frustrating things for me to watch a wide receiver like constantly be getting open, be where he needs to be, and then uh, the quarterback not doing his job and getting the ball. To him. So I'm going to be a true third. Dude, uh, let yeah. me, listen to some of these target totals for IU. Week 8, 10. Week 10, 14. Week 13, 9. Week 14, 16 targets. That's Man, those ungodly. Were, those okay, and that's from garbage. I don't even, who, is their, who is their quarterback? Just wait until they have somebody good mm-hmm. back there. And Shane, I mean, he had I, five touchdowns. That's very, yeah. very low for him. He should, he, his numbers should be, we got to get those numbers up, man. Like that, He's, he should be playing better. He is a fantastic player. I think that, you know, people, the same way they're doing the same stuff to like CH is like the best thing. Like, you're, like, why, why are you just like fading him so fast? Just everyone yeah. just calm down. Now, I don't understand where the fade's coming from. It makes no sense. Like you said, Kittle's going to be the primary pass catcher which means he's going to draw coverage which means people are going to have to worry about him Debo Samuel is still a wild card and Brandon Ayuk I think he's I think he's an alpha like I think he could be I think he could be one of the I mean I agree like I'm just I'm 100% on board I have a ton Mm -hmm. of teams that have both Debo and Ayuk and I feel comfortable playing them every week because they get touches manufactured for them mm-hmm. and Shanahan's one of those guys when he sees that all it takes is that one play and he sees that one mismatch and he's going to give you 16 targets that game yeah. and, and if I you're talk- good enough to, to earn them he'll he'll keep giving them to you absolutely and I talked about this the other night is I don't know where this concept comes from that you can't have uh more than one player uh from the same team in the same position uh like on your team you absolutely can it just needs to be a productive offense it's fine as long as it's an offense that's on the field like the giants you don't want to have several players because they are not a productive offense will they be next year or whatever it's a whole another topic but like this this can be a very productive offense uh you know the the green bay packers very productive like there's productive tampa bay another example like those are teams that it's fine if you have players in the same position on your squad and you know when to play them maybe someone needs to get but still like it's it's okay you can have them because they're getting the points for you because they are a productive offense exactly and i've got them flexed i've got both of them flexed there and i'm just like if i get 20 points between each of them that's good and if i don't something went wrong and the upside is is there so i mean i'm a big fan of like you said i i do i double up on teams on players at the same position on teams all the time i ran out gus edwards and jk dobbins a lot last year um i there was a couple other just kind of naeem hines i played him a couple times with jonathan taylor so i'm with you i I, sometimes i look at my positions and kind of meld them together and i say i want to just pull 25 points between these two if i think somebody's running back Mm -hmm. core or somebody's wide receiver core is going to do that why wouldn't I play them both versus try to pick who's going to hit and then end up benching the guy that goes for 35 and I play two guys that get like seven. You know what I mean? So you were going to say something there real fast, Dave. I'm sorry I cut you off. Yeah, I'll, I'll drop this real quick, but I, I just looked this up um, and, I, and I got the numbers because I did a study on this a while back. But in games where Kittle and Debo Samuel were healthy, Ayuk averaged 3.3 catches per game for 47 yards. In the games where they were both injured, he was averaging 6.5 catches for 71 yards. So his Who is the quarterback? Was, <laughs> um you know I, I don't have that available, but Bethard, I mean, Mullen, Mullen, whoever it was, they are Mullen. inferior. They're, they're inferior yeah, to fair. who it will be this year. Mm-hmm. So 
there's no, like you said, that I love, I love the Ayuk pick. I think he's got one of the higher ceilings of any of those guys that came in last year. And for whatever reason, he's still very inexpensive in Dynasty. Um, well, he's inexpensive in Dynasty startup drafts. If you try to trade for him, he's not. Because anyone not, that picked him knows what they got with him. Yeah, anybody who's got him is not giving him to you yep. for what they paid for him. Like, that's not right. happening. Yeah. I'm like, no, I got you. Know, no way. That's like nobody's going to give you Antonio Gibson for what they – even close to what they got him last year. No, mm-hmm. no. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> so um, quickly, contextually, we hung around on Dynasty for a little bit. Who? Same question. Who are some wide receiver targets in – best ball redraft that you're interested in draft and while we're just kind of here because we're getting close to halfway um who are some guys that you think their adp is going to start rising as people start to realize that it is it is too suppressed well uh i'll start off with this one real quick first of all since i wrote that article about Cortland sutton just over a week and a half ago his adp has already jumped up 12 full spots in the last week and a half his adp is already climbing so people are starting to come onto that but two guys that i am crazy about right now in redraft that still have really good values uh tyler lockett robbie anderson for some reason those guys are both you know they could uh, last year tyler lockett had more targets than dk metcalf that doesn't sound right but it is true if you look it up he had exactly one target more than dk metcalf had so if we're talking best ball especially, Tyler Lockett's a guy that I'm going after like crazy because when he hits, he hits, and he's going to guarantee you a win pretty much that week. We saw it last year in two combined games. He had 24 catches, uh, 400 yards, and six touchdowns in two combined games. And if you had him in best ball in those weeks, you won those weeks. Robbie Anderson, kind of the same story. He had more targets last year than DJ Moore, and I get it. DJ Moore's got a ton of talent. He's a great player, but right now, for whatever reason, they love them some Robbie Anderson, and they're force-feeding him the ball. Robbie Anderson's got the connection with Sam Darnold from his time with mm-hmm. the Jets. So right now, uh, his ADP, Robbie Anderson, is 88, which is just crazy to me that you can get him in the seventh and eighth round, and he is a good chance. Uh, you know, he could see 140, 150 targets next year. So I'm, I'm loving me some Robbie Anderson. You know who he reminds me of is Marvin Jones from years past, where you know he can do it, but for whatever reason, you just never believe it. You're just mm-hmm. like, nah, I know Brandon he can Cooks. be a top five receiver, but well, I don't, I don't talk mm-hmm. about Granite Cooks on this show. Um, Steph, you got anybody whose ADP you're expecting to go up? Boy, um, I was going to mention Anderson because I, I, you know, here's my thing with Darnold. I feel like there's no way that he does worse than Teddy so I feel like all the skilled players over there like you're gonna get the same exact production that's like like the 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 bottom of the barrel you're gonna get the same crap you got uh last year but on the upside that he does do what we are expecting him to do the ceiling is like like so high there um so anyone over there I think is some of them looking at, I think Mims is another one. I, I think the second that someone uh, gets drafted over there, people start taking a look at that roster, realizing that he was still somewhat productive. I mean, yes, it's not a lot of yards, but he still was managing to play football with what he had. Um, and he's a good player uh, and he can get the job done. So I think you add someone there that maybe the first three weeks you don't get a lot out of him because that person is transitioning into the NFL but I think that he is someone that uh will absolutely you know I'm very high on the Mims train so I, I think I'm becoming I think I'm realizing how much of a truther I am on both of these players <laughs> by low 
buy low. <laughs> I uh, I love the more you guys bring up Robbie Anderson, the more I love it. I mean, you know, we bring it in Darnold. I mean, like you said, the rapport is somewhat there. They already got had very fantasy relevant wide receivers last year. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, Curtis Samuel's next, so Robbie Anderson. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't. He's gonna get probably more targets, at least similar ish number. He was like, he was a top five, six wide receiver like the first half of the season last year. Uh, I remember I made a couple of trades to get him. He didn't have any big games the second half of the season, but I remember he was still an every week play, step rock, you know, steady mm-hmm. Eddie. So there is value for a player like that, and to know that Robbie Anderson does have breakaway speed and he does have the long ball available to him. You know, when you can get that steady Eddie production and you do have stuff like that to go, yeah, as a guy who's being drafted at 88, I mean, that's un- unreasonable. You want, a, you want a deep, deep cut? Michael Pittman right now, his ADP is 123. Mm-hmm. And I understand, you know, he he wasn't great his rookie year. but That's a deep cut. That, that's a deep cut, but I, I'm liking Pittman, especially with Wentz there. I mean, T.Y. is getting older and older. I could see Pittman having a breakout second year. I love the hmm. summer. We're all optimists in the summertime. <laughs> All right. Well, quickly, we are going to take a break and then we will be back to talk about the Bears and we'll be back to talk about the Giants. BRB. What's good, IDP Army? It's Jordan Reigns. And quickly, I want to tell you guys today about the big project I've been working on, the Ultimate IDP Index. The Ultimate IDP Index is the number one resource for IDP fantasy football players, rookies or veterans for 2021. Inside, you're going to find contract information, tiered IDP rankings, detailed player production profiles going back to 2017, suggested trade values, and a whole lot more, including unique write-ups, unique videos that will only be available within the Ultimate IDP Index. But to me, probably the most valuable thing is the fact that the trade value estimation tool is going to be updated weekly. So you'll always be aware of what a player is worth in your dynasty league at any given moment. So what are you waiting for? Sign up for the IDP Army Patreon today. Patreon.com forward slash the IDP Army. Join the Black Ops tier and join the IDP Army today. We're back. Shout out to all the Patreons. I appreciate y'all. The Ultimate IDP Index is dope as hell. I use it every day. Um, not, I'm not selling snake oil out here. Go get you some. You'll love it. So let's go ahead and jump into the Bears. Dave's uh, fan team choice uh, team of fandom. Why are you a Bears fan? Are you from Chicago originally? Yeah, I, I didn't have a choice. I mean, I don't think anybody willingly becomes a Bears fan. It was in my <laughs> DNA. My, uh, my dad was a season ticket holder when I was born. Uh, you know, my grandpa was a huge fan. Uh, when when my grandpa actually handed my mom off, um, you know, at, at the wedding day, he gave the hand over and said, "Remember, footballs are for Sunday." Or I'm sorry, Sundays are for football. So it's something like, "Oh my gosh, just, I never heard that it's, story." It's, just, it's ingrained in my family. I've been going to Bears games since I was a little kid. I got pictures of me, you know, barely able to stand wearing my Bears jerseys. So trust That's me, what's I, up. I, I want I want to wish this on anyone. That's what's up. I uh, I've only been to a handful of NFL games, but one I did go to was the Bears versus the Rams in 2017. It was when the last year they were in St. Louis. It might have been 2016. I think it was Todd Gurley. Are you really? St. Louis. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, we drove down there. There were like 30 of us. We, That's me and my crazy. That's from Chicago and went down there. Dude, people were crying in the stands. That was one of the saddest experiences I've ever been to. Yeah, it was that like game right was. Before, 
it was like their second to last game at uh at Edward James Stadium. Yep, yep. That was a crazy game. I remember we walked in right as I think it was Gurley or it was your guys' tight end at the time. Just ran like he had like a 70 yard touchdown on us or something. I don't remember. Zach Yep, yep, yep. He had this moss. And I remember we were walking in and I just heard the stadium roaring. And that was like the only good thing that happened that whole game. The rest of the game, game was just boring as shit. And we were yeah. like outside and we didn't get to see it. Yep. Oh, no, that's that was, fun. Uh, we, we went down for my wife's birthday and we coordinated. I'm not kidding. There were over 30 of us. We drove down like a caravan of like 15 cars, drove down to St. Louis because the Hawks were playing in St. Louis that weekend too. So the Hawks played on Saturday. Yeah. And then the I remember that. Sunday. So Chicago just took over St. Louis for that weekend. Oh, I don't know about um, all that. Well, I can tell you that we drank a lot of beer. We started going we, to bars, and they couldn't even serve beer. They were like, "We." You it was a drink. Every, every <laughs> it was a wild weekend in St. Louis. That's why we relate to the game because we were out that light that night, and we just got we got blitzed. So yep. that was a good time. That's awesome. That's that makes me so happy. I've only been to one. I've only been to four NFL games. I've been to that game. I watched the Browns play the Rams the year before that. That was actually Gurley's rookie. No, I think it might have been the same season. That was Gurley's rookie year. And then I went down to the Saints. I saw the Saints play the Redskins. Took them to overtime. Got to see my man. Kirk Cousins. That was Alvin Kamara's rookie year. And then I went to a Colts versus Houston game and got to see Brock Osweiler just look like a fucking piece of shit. And <laughs> Andrew Luck be awesome. And little did I know, and I would never even get the chance to see Andrew Luck play again. I remember thinking, oh, I had him on my fantasy teams, and I was like, yeah, he's awesome. But Anyway, uh, let's talk about the them Bears. Um, so you guys got Allen Robinson. He's really your only significant pass catcher, aside from Jimmy Graham. Um, and so that's a pretty big fall off there. We have Andy Dalton now as your starting quarterback. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. I was doing a little research before we came on, and I was looking back on uh, A.J. Green's 2012 season. He had 1,300 yards, 164 targets. Uh, 2013, he had 178 targets for 1,400 yards. Both those seasons, Andy Dalton was the quarterback. Both those seasons, he threw for one, he threw sub 4,300, and one, he threw sub 3,700. So he can support a high-level wide receiver while being a huge bag of trash himself. Um, <laughs> Allen Robinson is kind of a comparable-ish receiver to A.J. Green. Big, uh, good route runner, good in the red zone, can just get open, can out physical dudes, can also, you know, like I said, good route runner. Are we a little bit too low on – Allen Robinson in a world where Allen Robinson could see the most targets he's ever had. Now, what quickly before I I'm going to finish my little rant here. Allen Robinson in back to back years. He saw 154, 151. Then you go back to 15 and 16. He had this is this is this is crazy actually. If anybody listen to this, so you know how they make a big deal about Alvin Kamara's like 81 receptions or whatever that that thing he did. All right, listen to this. The three years that. Allen Robinson has played started 16 games. His targets have been 151, 151, and 151. Now in 2019, he started 15 games. He had 154. That's that's some consistent shit right there. Uh, so we know he commands that kind of target share, and we know Andy Dalton has thrown more targets to his number one receiver in the past. Could we see a career year from Allen Robinson? And would it surprise us? What, what are your thoughts, Dave? Like, let's let's talk ceiling. Let's get people excited. It's the summertime. Yeah. Yeah, I think ceiling, there's no reason that he can't be the wide receiver three. You know, I think that, uh, and that's, you know, best case scenario. And Andy Dalton isn't the same player he was back in 2012. I mean, that was eight years ago. He was young. He was fresh. He was a little bit more mobile then. We're looking at a much older and different Andy Dalton now, but you already hit on it. You know, when he finds his guy, which was AJ Green for all those years, he would just force feed him the ball. And that's why AJ Green was a first 
early second round pick for like six years straight because you knew that he was going to be seeing the ball at least 150 times. You're going to see that this year. Uh, the one thing that I don't especially like is Allen Robinson. When you watched him in Jacksonville, he was flying down the field and that's where he was making the, 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 the place was getting downfield, catching those jump balls. And that's when he had that crazy, what was it? 1400 yards and, and 14 touchdowns or something like that. And he yeah. had a crazy year towards ACL the next year came back and he still has that playmaking ability, but the bears are kind of forced forcing him into this role that isn't even that great for him. You know, you see him running across the middle, you see him running slants, you see him running curls. He's not getting downfield. And every once in a while, you'll see them call a go route on him. And sure enough, he's just out there mossing people and he's making these incredible plays, but that's not what they want him doing. They want him getting those short, easy throws because he's got a catch radius the size of a garage door. And I, I, I think that they tailored that offense because of the limitations that they had at quarterback. So now having somebody who's slightly more accurate, I'm hoping that they're just going to go wheels up with Allen Robinson, let him fly down the field and do what he does best. Yeah. I. Uh, what, what are your thoughts, Steph? I, you know, so being someone that is a fan of a team in the NFC East, I am not as low on Andy Dawn, I think, as everyone else is. I think Andy Dawn did a better job than everyone is saying, taking over for Dak Prescott. That are, those are really big shoes to fill. Um, but if you look at it, I mean, it, the offense didn't do horrific. It was their defense that was the problem. So, you know, I don't – I do I think – that I mean – that was a horrible move. Let's just call it what it was. I mean, I don't know what they were thinking doing that. I don't know if the plan was to take on, you know, to take one of these got these quarterbacks in the second round, or I, I honestly don't know what the bears are thinking. Um, I think someone in the front office is definitely losing their job next year. Um, but I think that Andy Dalton is a productive quarter. Like he's a high end QB two, in my opinion, to the point where like, I, you, he's the guy you want on your bench if Dak Prescott goes down. Like, I don't – everyone has to remember that. Like, he he played a long season of, like, actually keeping them in the game a lot of the time. Um, So I think that there, it's very possible – like, I'm not not – like, I'm not fading uh, Allen Robinson because it's Andy Dalton because I think Andy Dalton can get the job done. Um, Whether Andy Dalton wants to be a little bit of a wimp is a whole nother story. So you got to keep Andy Dalton comfortable. Um, the second he gets uncomfortable is when you see him start to, uh, you know, falter from uh, his being a good Andy Dalton. But I think he's a very, like, I don't hate that move as much as everyone thinks. Like, yeah. I think it's an improvement from Trubisky, 120%. Oh, Andy, Dalton, Andy Dalton's who I wanted heading into the 2020 season because he was a free agent at the time. We all knew he was leaving Cincinnati. I wanted Andy Dalton. Almost all of my friends from Chicago who are also Bears fans won an Andy Dalton, and then we ended up settling for Nick Foles, which in hindsight was an absolute disaster. So this year, you know, I, I think had we not been tantalized with Russell Wilson, had Russell Wilson not been dangling out there for Bears fans, everybody would have been happy with Andy Dalton. But when you're teased yeah. with Russell Wilson and then that rug is pulled out from under you and they say, well, we got Andy Dalton and said, it's going to leave a sour taste in fans' mouths. But I, I mm -hmm. agree with Steph. I think that he's not nearly as bad as fans in the media are making he's not. him be. He's not, you know, you look at his completion percentage. He had, you know, would you be shocked? It was the second highest completion percentage of his career last year. Um, his yards per attempt was, they were the lowest in his career. But again, you think he was kind of gotten that shell-shocked Alex Smith role where 
he was just sitting on the bench drinking some Gatorade, you know, just you mm-hmm. know, scratching his balls. And then all of a sudden, oh shit, like I'm the starting, starting <laughs> I'm the starting quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. And he had to go out there and he went four and five. I mean, yeah. with no defense. And, and the thing I like about him too is like as long as the O-line can protect him, like he's a he's a quarterback. Uh he's a fantastic quarterback in the sense that he does take his time. Um, like he will, he will take as much time as he needs to make sure he makes the pass. Does he force the pass? Kind of like sometimes, but he does. Like I think he has the capability to be a little bit better than good. Uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I mean, for a guy with, who's I, dropping, I go ahead. Uh, I was just gonna. Say, I agree with the statement, but asking the Bears' offensive line to protect a quarterback oh, not, is well, something that's that problem. they haven't done my entire <laughs> life. I mean, uh, this team hasn't no. invested draft capital. They haven't invested in free agents. They could care less Dave. about They want everything. Dave, I'm trying to be optimistic for you, okay? I'm just saying. <laughs> if you're if you're hoping the offensive line is going to get it together, that's not going to happen. Jay Cutler did 87 sacks in his first two yeah, years no. here. I didn't think it was going to happen. but Yeah, he's uh, – historically, he is a – he, you know, usually gets up in that 20 to 30 sack range. Uh, he takes, he doesn't throw a lot of interceptions, honestly, especially for a guy who dropped back to yeah. pass, you know, pretty consistently for over 500 attempts a game. Uh, so Andy Dalton is a little bit more serviceable than I think people want to say. And he's going to be playing with a good defense, very much unlike Dallas, like I said, where he went four and five. Let's shift over to the defense real quick because that's what my IDP people want to talk about. Um, you know, I just brought this up. He's got Khalil Mack coming off the edge. Um, you know, we remember that trade when John Gruden got to the Raiders. Uh, Khalil Mack, only nine sacks this year, but he still has 21 impact plays. We know that he's a disruptor. He does get forced fumbles. He is really good at getting tackles for loss. He does get the occasional pass deflection. He actually had a touchdown this year, or not a touchdown. I know he had a uh, an interception this year. He may have had a touchdown. You'll have to vet me on that, but... He's a little bit of a boom-bust player, but the pressures are always there. And then Roquan Smith is the other, and this is really the guy that that I love on this team, especially from an IDP standpoint. Um, But Roquan Smith, what we got here, uh, third season in the NFL. He got behind the line of scrimmage a lot this year, 18 times. I don't know if that had to do with the coach change or uh, uh, Fangio leaving because he's not historically in his career been about – deep behind the line of scrimmage for a lot of tackles for loss, but he did this year. Uh, one of my favorite games of the season was the Monday night game, I believe, between the Vikings and the Bears because it was basically Roquan Smith versus Dalvin Cook, uh, and they were just back and forth. I mean, R- Dalvin Cook would get an eight- or nine-yard run, and then Roquan Smith would take him down four or five yards in the backfield. Like, it was just a really good game. I love watching him play. 33 impact plays. Might shock some people to hear that that led uh, all linebackers. That was more than even um, – that was more than even Devin White, who finished with more points than him. People love to, you know, talk about Devin White. But Roquan Smith, great player, uh, one of the best linebackers in the NFL. He's going to get paid soon. So, you know, probably uh, you guys are going to – he's going to play really well this year. So Andy Dalton has something he hasn't had in a while. He's got a defense. You have Eddie Jackson. You know, he's kind of all-pro safety um, or has been an all-pro safety. He's not really a good IDP asset so he's not a big tackle guy. Eddie, but he can – Yep. Yep. So, and then I don't know what, what ended up happening with Akeem Hicks. Is he still there currently or. Yeah. They had a, uh, there were some rumors that he might be traded. There were rumors that Roquan might be traded too, but as of right now, everybody's still there. Oh, I hope and, not. And, yeah. and they were saying, even Ro- when they were talking about the Russell Wilson, I was like, I don't, I, I'd rather have Roquan Smith than Russell Wilson. Give me a 25 year old stud linebacker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, yeah. I, 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 Roquan should have been untouchable. I hope he wasn't in any. He is. Discussions. 
there was that weird thing that happened last year where like he I don't even remember what happened. He like missed a game and they didn't really say what was going on. He like was missing or something. I don't know. You're a Bears guy. Do you remember that? Yeah, last it was year? later in the season, right? I think it was a family thing. They, yeah, they okay. They did never say what it was. I do the, I remember there was like a rumor that it was something negative, and then there was also like a it's not nefarious yeah. at all. Okay, that that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, man, I mean, one thing I've watched my whole life as a Bears fan is watching just Hall of Fame caliber linebackers, Lance Briggs, Brian Urlacher. I mean, even before I was born, back to the Mike Singletary days, that's just always what the Bears have done is they've got an eye for linebackers, and and I'm happy to see Roquan Smith just stepping into that role right now. I hope he's going to be the face of the franchise for you know the next decade. Yeah, he he probably will be. Danny Trevathan is that second linebacker you guys have there in the middle as well. He's no he's no uh, no slouch either when it comes to being a playmaker. But uh, the big thing is, you guys, well, quickly want to touch on before we quickly talk about David Montgomery and then go to the Giants. Um, is excuse me, Robert Quinn. You guys brought him in last year. He had a really good season with the Cowboys. I believe he had just over ten sacks and then only played like eleven games, twelve games. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did have quite a few tackles for losses. Tackle numbers are never really high, but I found it interesting that he still managed to go out and have three forced fumbles this year, um, while only having two sacks all season. And he did play hurt all season, from what I understand. So, if you look at his career, he's basically an every other year kind of guy. Like every other year, he has a good season, and every other year, he has a bad season. And I was actually talking about him last night on a show I was doing for the Hammercast guys. If you put his career and Jason Pierre-Paul's careers right next to each other, you know, and Steph, I know you know all about Jason Pierre-Paul. There's, you know, sack-wise, the numbers are only six, like six sacks off. And when you think about Robert Quinn, you don't think of him in that that kind of way, which I was kind of shocked, but it's because of the up and down nature of his career. He's almost never been able to put together a back-to-back seasons of success. But if this holds true, we could get a big year out of Robert Quinn this year um, playing healthy. We know he's got the forced fumble ability. We might get a lot of short fields for Andy Dalton. Um, so he's a guy to, to look out for IDP folks out there, which we'll quickly let's touch on David Montgomery. He's another guy that if this defense can hold, which is kind of what has held them together the last two years. I mean, this defense basically lives on the field with Trubisky slash Foles out there the last two years. Um, they still have managed to make the, the playoffs. Why? Because they have high-level defenders. So we get a couple of short fields out here. We get a better quarterback behind center. We get David Montgomery in his third year. Talk to me on how do you both feel about David Montgomery going into the year, and then we will move on to the Giants. I'm probably like the biggest David Montgomery hater out there. I don't think I have too much. Yeah, I don't know. I don't really have anything good to say about him. I don't think he's that talented. I think Tariq Cohen's going to come back and totally cramp his style. Um, Damian Williams, he's already got history with Matt Nagy from their time together in Kansas City. So I think he's going to carve out a role. Uh, You know, what David Montgomery did last year was awesome. I'm happy for him. I'm happy for all the fantasy managers that won a lot of money because of him. But that was just a perfect storm of their pass catching running back going down with an ACL tear. Then having a cake schedule, getting to play against a beat up Minneapolis defense or Minnesota defense. I'm getting to play you know, a a Swiss cheese Packers defense and then the Lions twice. I mean, they just had the easiest schedule down the stretch and he was in a position where he was getting fed the ball 30 times a game. So I'm happy for him last year, but anybody that is, you know, looking for uh, a a, a repeat performance is going to be sorely disappointed. I think his, his ceiling is like a high end RB two. And I think that realistically he's going to end up finishing as a more low end RB two. He's just a souped up Carlos Hyde, huh? 
Yeah, that's that's a that's a spot on. Yeah, that that's a great comp right there. Uh, what are your thoughts, Steph? Uh, I think Dave nailed it. I think a lot people have to take into account what last season was and look at it at its worth. Like, there's a lot of factors that came to play and how players uh, perform the way they did. I don't, you know. I don't care about Montgomery that much. Like, I think what's going to happen is Dalton's going to come into the system. He's going to find his two guys, and one of them is not going to be Montgomery. And then you're not going to get the targets that you got maybe last year and the points that you got last year, and you're going to get your feelings hurt. He's going to break your heart this year, I think. That's all. He's not going to break mine. I only have him on one team. And <laughs> exactly. If I have anything to say about it, he won't be starting for me. He won't be starting for me when the season starts. Well, it was one of those things where I had to take him because it was like the sixth round. And I've already stacked so many good running backs. And I was just like, it'd be dumb not to just just own right. the market. So he's like my second flex. He's like my running back five. But uh, and like, I like Josh Jacobs, two guys that I don't want on a single roster of mine next year. Well, he's I haven't even he, looked at what's the bear schedule like. That's like one team I haven't looked at even like how is your schedule difficult next year, D? Uh, I haven't even looked at the schedule too much. Okay. Well, they play Kirk Cousins. I only looked at the NFC East. So there's two losses. Um, and they play Rodgers twice a year. So there's there's one loss. So uh, I'm I'm, already not looking pretty. (laughs) Yeah, but they'll still make they'll squeak in the playoffs like they always do. Yeah. Yeah. So all right. A few years ago, ago they made a Super Bowl with Rex Grossman as quarterback. This is what the Bears do, man. They just invest all of a few years ago. Dave, I mean, we're old, bro. That was a yeah, long time ago. That was high school, wasn't it? Wow. Yeah. That, I say the wow. same. I say the same thing wow. about the Giants. Like we were just at the Super Bowl. It was literally ten uh, years ago. Nice. Yeah, bro. <laughs> not like not like my people back here. We'll be at the Super Bowl again this year. No big deal. Really? We're That's just gonna start hosting show. it. At, we're gonna start hosting it at Arrowhead. I guess. I mean, you want the. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's talk about the Giants, Steph. Um, and let's go ahead and talk about Kenny Galladay since we have kind of talked about this wide receiver thing. Dave, whenever – or zero wide receiver, don't call it a thing. That's what I mean. Dave, zero wide receiver thesis. So you sent that screenshot yesterday, which I commented on, or two days ago on Twitter, where you had Cortland Sutton. Um, it was Kenny Galladay and Allen Robinson. And you were like, why would you draft a wide receiver, you know, in the first three or four rounds if you can get guys like this later? Kenny Galladay, I, and I believe you said that you got all three of them in succinct rounds, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And you did you did you go Galladay first, or was it Robinson first? Uh, Robinson, then Galladay, and then Sutton. So with Galladay, we know we're getting a guy who has top ten upside, right? Did he finish top? Was he in the top five wide receiver two years ago? He was heading that direction, but then. He's I mean, had, people love saying "on pace" in the fantasy world that I can't stand as like a. <laughs> yeah, that's not. <laughs> you know, he I has had one on season. Pace. He has had one season though where he actually did finish uh, up there. Yeah, he it was it was last oh, year. He had eleven touchdowns. Yeah, he was. A, yeah, so he finished up there last year. So we know that he can push into that upper echelon. Um, you know, well, it's two years ago. Coming off, you know, that sour taste in your mouth where he got injured this last year. It seems like the upside, and especially on the Giants, where for whatever reason, with their good defense, Daniel Jones puts them in bad situations where he's almost like a like a goofier version of Winston, where he has to just he puts himself in these situations where he has to throw, where he just gets himself in worse situations. So what are your thoughts on the ceiling of Kenny Galladay this year in a in a world where he could be perpetually down? 
Um, so putting Galladay on this team, it gives Daniel Jones the person that he's been missing, and that is the deep ball threat, the guy that can get up there, get the ball. You place it there, and even with coverage, he will get it. Um, that is something that, you know, Daniel Jones is third in the league in, in deep balls. Like, he can throw a deep ball, and he can – the accuracy there is – I mean, it's there. Um my concerns with Galladay as far – so from a fan's perspective, I'm loving the outlook of the offense. Here, from a fantasy's per- perspective, though, um, so say we get into uh, – at the 11th pick and they go and they take a wide receiver. Galladay now is probably going to start splitting targets, which he's already splitting them with Saquon. He's already splitting them with Shep. He's already has – he has Slayton there, Ross there, Pettis there, Rudolph, and Ingram. I mean, we're talking about a lot of guys. And my uh, guess is for Garrett to save his job, he's going to have to move the ball around a little bit more than giving the ball to only uh, Ingram and Slayton, uh, which he did last year. Uh, But I do think that Galladay has a very high chance of becoming Daniel Jones's guy. I think you'll see the most productivity come out of the two of them because that's where Galladay is the most successful on the field is where Daniel Jones is the most successful on the field. So that's like a perfect pairing. And, you know, and I corrected myself on a podcast. I, I tweeted something, you know, in my uh, drunk excitement over getting Galladay. And again, I wasn't super excited prior to, you know, the week before, cause I didn't want to set myself up for heartbreak. But like when I said like Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs, and I wasn't comparing talent level. I'm comparing the fact that you're giving uh someone their guy um so that's something that daniel jones is missing to have to rely on ingram and slayton who have a combined uh completion rate of maybe 54 percent like we're talking about the two of them combined lost almost 50 points for this team in one season like that's the difference between a like a winning record and a losing record and and that's completely on them um so i think that galde is a fantastic there's no reason to to like fade him but i think people are fading him because of daniel jones without realizing that where his strength falls is in those deep balls in those you know uh you know situations that galde is able to be very productive and he's shown that i also am going to say that i think that Galladay's hip injury is um, BS. I think he did not want to be in the Lions anymore. I've done a lot of research and I have an article that I'm actually going to post my Patreon this uh, weekend. And I'm like almost, I would bet at least $1,000 that that hip injury is crap. Yep. I think he did not want to play there. He had the one practice where they had video of it last year where he came out and practiced and he was just running at 100%, cutting all over the field. And everyone was like, all right, sweet, Galladay's yeah. back. And then the next day he was another – It's practice. like how, how James Harden is fat, please. You know, <laughs> like, you know, it's the same thing. I, I compare, like, Kenny Galladay's hip, and I had a tweet at some point, but it was like his – the way he's talking about his hip is the way that everyone is, like, talking about how uh, James Harden is fat and he's not going to do anything on the nets. And now look at how the scenario played out. Um, So I think that he, he – I mean, he's coming to the system. They're finally – the Giants are in a place where – they can split targets. It's beautiful. That's how players don't get hurt. And for years, I called them the use and abuse giants. And that's what they do. You know, they pick one player. That's the only guy they go to. And then they break them like they did with Saquon. So Saquon was bound to get hurt because of the way that they were playing him. You know, you can't give the ball to one guy all the time. Um, and Galladay, like there hasn't been a wide receiver one on this team uh, 
literally since OBJ. Uh, so this gives all the players, which Shep, Slayton, and uh, Saquon, and Ingram, they all play better with a wide receiver one, historically, on paper, period. Um, so give them that guy and then potentially give them another one. I mean, we don't know. I, I wouldn't, it's not going to be shocking if they take Devonte Smith at 11. Um, so you're looking at these guys like Shep is a really good sleeper. And I, I mean, I wrote an article about this, uh, months ago now. And uh, like, that's a guy who's coming off one of his better seasons, despite the Giants looking like crap on offense. Um, but players like Ingram and Shep play better when they don't get the ball a lot. Because they 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 can't handle that pressure. They're not they're not the type of guys that can you know go up and make the play every single time. Yeah, Sterling Shepard is he's a guy. He kind of reminds me of um, Tyler Boyd. He's kind of never really got that same kind of got that ceiling. But like you said, he's a he's an underrated receiver. He you mm-hmm. know his catch percentage is really high. Um, we've never four point yeah like something crazy. I mean, he's like in the top twenty five. I think this past year in completion rate. Yep, it's been his concussion issue. That's always as somebody who's had him on teams. That's always mm-hmm. been something that's been scary with him. Is he can get these headaches. I mean, I'm sure you've read the blurbs all the time, and he'll just miss mm-hmm. like weeks and weeks. And yeah. that's not you know that's and as you're one, you know, you need to be reliable. So hopefully Kenny Galladay's hip is situated. All right. Yeah. Um, he's just fine. You saw him dancing in the club on Instagram. Like the dude's fine. All right. Like, yeah. let me tell you if his hip was hurting, he wouldn't be in his tight jeans, uh, bending a girl over. Okay. The dude's fine. Just fine. <laughs> he, he, he made it through power through what a guy. Um, so you kind of brought up Slayton and Shepard, you know, those mm-hmm. are the twos or two and three. Who do you, who do you want of those two? Slayton can kick rocks. I'm done. I Slayton has this past year. Slayton could not have disappointed me more. Um, having a a 52.1% completion rate, uh, losing 11 points on uh, whatever everyone else's film. Mine, it's a little bit higher. He's a little bit inexcusable. He's too inconsistent. He's just not a wide receiver too. And that's it. And you know what? He's a fantastic a wide receiver three. And I love that. And, you know, he's a great football player and he might go somewhere else because I don't think his long-term journey is on the giants. I think that he will end up somewhere else. And I think he will probably still be productive. The same thing if Ingram went somewhere else, but Slayton needs to figure out how to play a hundred percent at a professional level where like, he still gets these moments of like bro, what are you doing? Like how, how many years do you need in the NFL for you to just like uh, do what you, everyone's asking of you? Um, so I'm over Slayton. Like Slayton's not, Slayton is someone I'm a hundred percent fading, especially with this many guys. I mean, they picked up Ross too. A lot of people forget about that. You know, Dante's on the team now. And then you look at Galladay, you have Saquon coming back, who's going to get the most targets, but then also is going to split them with Galladay. And then you're telling me that there's a potential they take another wide receiver. Forget about it. Slayton's so toast. Like his career, it like on the Giants is done. Yeah, I know, but he's on the Giants. I'm saying on the Giants though. Like he can go somewhere else and be successful, but like his time on the Giants, I just don't see that being. uh, When it. When Galladay re-hurts his hip, you're going to be the biggest Darius yeah, Slayton right. truther sure. I've ever I seen. I promise I will. I've been, I've been a lot of <laughs> He can't catch a ball. I, I've been I getting him in best ball. I, I still like. I don't. I don't think he's going to be like consistent, but he's going to have those weeks where he's going to put up 200 yards and two touchdowns. Like he's got that upside, but you know it's probably only going to be a handful of games. <laughs> uh, do you know With the Jason uh, Garrett? 
<laughs> you know the scene in uh what is it the the or what is the third the third Star Wars movie where Anakin screams at Obi Wan, I hate you. Yeah. I feel like that's Steffi yeah. too. But I love uh, him. Is the thing right is like I love him in the locker room, but like I would much rather have someone like sh- like Slayton has just been. And also, people don't realize he played injured a lot of times and was just like there as uh, just a smokescreen most of the time. Like he was injured a lot of this year. Um, so I, the inconsistency with him and then him at like 52% completion rate, that's really bad. And yeah, he got some great. really good balls too. Like he lost a lot of games and people want to give Ingram a lot of hate. I, you know, Slayton really, really made me mad this year. <laughs> All and right, all him. right. I, yeah, you love him. E- easy. I, 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 I like to scorch guys too, but you're, you're, you're nice it's to okay. my man Slayton. He, he, yeah, he you know, he, he gave it. He's funny on Twitter. There you go. That hey, you got to give points for that. One of my favorite, <laughs> a couple of my favorite follows are uh, Stefan Diggs, Honey Badger's a great follow. Um, mm-hmm. Yannick and is a pretty hefty's follow. Uh, Jeremy Chin's a good follow too. All right, Daniel Jones is he going to lead the league in fumbles this year? No. Are you sure? <laughs> I'm positive. Uh, All right. <laughs> there's plenty of other uh, quarterbacks to take over that. I think that Part- Daniel Jones will be just fine this year. I think everyone will learn what I see in him, and I'm not worried about it. I think it's going to be him or Carson Wentz. They both have issues protecting oh, the ball. Yeah. Um, and... Oh, Jalen Hurts. Ah, I don't know. I don't have a strong Nine times in four starts. Okay, but but okay, but let's but let's let's look back. Look at Lamar Jackson, his rookie year coming in into the season. He fumbled like every game. And then the next year, he didn't have a single fumble as MVP season. So I feel like some of that is I want to see him one more season of it, I guess. So I'm Jalen Hurts. I feel like was maybe just a little bit shell shocked and Uh, just kind of ill equipped. So. I hope so. I hope that that is the case because I just think, you know, I think that Wentz will just show everyone who he really is. But he also, Daniel has. Jones. Is, yeah, right. This is also isn't Daniel Jones's third year. Like to be clear, like he didn't start an entire three years. I can't stand that. It's like the biggest thing that's driving me crazy. This narrative that this was his second full year of football. Just shut up. Like, just like not a thing. Just shut up. Did you see him <laughs> fall on Thursday? Was it Monday night football? That was like right. the funniest thing I think I've ever seen. I love it. Imagine being that fast. I think, she, I think it's 500 scared. people tagged her on Twitter when that happened. Of course. Oh my God. That was people don't realize I love thing. it. Like, I think that play was amazing. It shows the entire season. It's Daniel Jones running for his life because the O-line is so crappy. The O-line should have finished last in the league. The fact that they did it is like, makes no sense to me. Um, But he's so quick. We, we've all been there though, where like you're running and you just get, yeah, you know, you're just and moving it's just, too fast for your feet. It's happened to everybody before. Yeah. That's what makes video so funny. Your upper body is going at one speed and your lower body is going at a little bit slower speed, and things yeah. just aren't just, working. There's out. like five strides where he's trying to keep it together. It's that's that's a good one. It was it's just, just so you, funny you because it, because of course it's Daniel Jones that this happens to. Like of literally, of course. And that's what, to me, that's what made it so perfect. It's just nobody in sight, wide open. Yeah. I mean, he just like Ugh. yeah. Did, and also, he had like 21 miles an hour on that player. Dude, he, like was, that. he was he was streaking down the field. I didn't he's and I'm like. Very- He's a big boy too. I didn't realize how big he was, but then you see him out there, but he just like he's very fast. Yeah. Striding. Also, 
people don't realize like if you want to and i won't go on about it because i could talk about the giants all day is uh go and look at eli manning's uh stats if you want to start talking crap about daniel jones go look at the the year that they won uh the second most recent. So like the 2007 season, like go look at how many uh, interceptions and turnovers Eli Manning had from that year until 2013 and then come back and let's talk because we're both, Eli we're both Manning still in the late 2000s. Yeah. <laughs> we're all there y'all like ooh, Eli Manning there, is Eli not Manning. as mobile either for your fantasy lovers. Um I quickly <laughs> want to, before we move on that play didn't they go like four and out the next like after he fell? Like they did like not scored, right? Like no, they did. Yes, did they, they did. score? Yes, okay, that's okay. the whole point. See the narrative. They still that score. Okay. Yes. See, In my Twitter. head, I, yeah. Twitter, oh Twitter did this to me. Yes, Twitter I did think. that. They scored. Like if if they didn't score on that, it's one thing. But like he got, he literally ran for what eighty something yards, and then they still scored, and he ran faster than any quarterback could possibly manage. But we're making fun of him. Yeah, <laughs> there's some more. There's some more Giants fans in here that know what's up. So. No, that's an Eagles fan. He's an Eagles oh, fan. is it? <laughs> he loves the Eagles. <laughs> Nice, nice. Um, All right, we've talked about Daniel Jones at length. Um, Let's move quickly to the defensive side of the ball. This is where the Giants are really actually looking good. Um, Leonard Williams coming in from the Jets. If you look at his career with the Jets and then you look at his numbers when he got to the Giants, it's literally like a night and day different kind Mm -hmm. of player. Um, His tackles for loss, his behind-the-line scrimmage plays, his quarterback hits all went up. He basically just, like, and I, Adam Gase, I guess you can attribute the Adam Gase stink to being part of that because they're in 2016. He had five quarterback hits in seven games. He goes to the Giants, and he ends up with 11. He gets two tackles for a loss. He puts up a bunch of tackles. So you could tell he was kind of picking it up. And then this year, 30 was good for, I believe, what, fourth in the NFL this year? Uh, Seventh. Right behind Miles Garrett. Okay, everybody knows who that is. Uh, One ahead of Stephon Tuitt. All my Steelers people should know who that is. Um, So he he actually went out there and did some good things. So And they brought him back on that fifth-year option. Or did they sign him to a contract? I I can't exactly remember what happened there. I know they brought in. So, yeah. I think think they ended up working something out. I thought they worked something out with him. Yeah. I believe he was they did. being I, a little greedy. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, you got to get, he's you worth get it. it. Yeah. He's earned it, earned it, having a good season. Like I said, 16 impact plays, that's a great number to have for the defensive line position. But they, the, the real big players that they brought in were, were in the offseason were Blake Martinez and Jabril Peppers. Um, mm-hmm. Jabril Peppers was there the year before that, but Martinez came in. He really solidified the middle of the field for them. Uh, 151 tackles. He's had over 150 tackles the last two seasons. Impact plays, 21. I mean, he's basically discount Bobby Wagner. Um, I'm looking right here. Williams signed a three-year, $63 million contract. So he did get paid. Uh, the Giants are going to keep him around, it looks like. Um, 151 tackles, 21 impact plays. Blake Martinez, I mean, he's a, he's a, he's a game changer. Um, you look at this Giants defense two, three years ago. Then you bring in Jabril Peppers. They brought in Logan. Logan Ryan, they brought in Blake Martinez, they bring in Leonard Williams, and suddenly 
this team is actually able to stop some drives. They have some players that can disrupt, uh, you know, other offenses Mm -hmm. and actually put their offense in situations where they could have, you know, won some more games. Um, I really like this defense overall. I kind of, you know, if you look at the last couple of years, you can see these kind of trends like the 49ers three years ago, they sucked. Then they did some smart things, got some good defensive players. They brought in Bosa. They knew had Buckner in spot. They had uh, Fred Warner. And then, boom, they suddenly have a good defense. Their team's good, goes to the Super Bowl. You look at the Washington football team. Last two or three years, their defense has not been good. Their corner play has sucked. Josh Norman sucked. They can't figure out their linebackers. Kerrigan's aging, but they're they're getting – they're getting a uh, first round talent in Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne. They're bringing guys in and then boom, it's seemingly overnight. They have one of the best defenses in the league. I think that one of the, either of these two teams are going to be the team that, that does that kind of uh, bait and switch on us this year. It's either going to be the giants or it's going to be the Miami dolphins where they actually go out and put up some, some really good numbers um, impact play wise. And these defenses can keep them in some games. Um, Overall, as a unit, they have a lot of good players. Steph, you were mentioning the, the Devontae Smith. I feel like they're going to take a corner in the draft. I just feel like the DeAndre Baker thing didn't work out. They wasted that first-round pick, that whole situation. But they have Bradbury, but I feel like they want to, if they can solidify that, I think they already they have, have. Dory Jackson. What They did bring him on? in, but I don't know. <laughs> Dory's. There's a reason the Titans didn't want to keep him around, I think. He's never really lived up to what we've all wanted. I think they have one of the best safety situations in the league. I haven't even brought up Xavier McKinney, who mm-hmm. had a really good season playing minimal snaps. Didn't he close out the season with an interception? Uh, of so course we, he did. Yeah, yeah, so we know he can ball. They have Peppers, uh, and then we have Logan Ryan. I think they might have the best safety tandem in the league. They did bring in a Dory Jackson. I still think, I personally think they're going to get a corner. But what what are your thoughts on this defensive unit as a whole? As you've seen it evolve the last couple of years, I know you probably know that it has definitely, it's not not what it was. No, definitely not. I mean, especially being someone that was raised on the early 2000s and, you know, 2010 onwards until we got to the crapshoot that it once was. But, like, we're talking about a team that had the 30th, defense in the entire league and then in one year they managed to bring it to ninth they finished ninth like this team what they've done on defense is the only reason they won the amount of games that they did uh Patrick Graham I think is a huge uh part of that but Blake Martinez is someone um I was joking about this earlier I for some reason end up dating uh Green Bay Packers fans so I've grown up also watching the Green Bay Packers and being a huge fan so one of the players that I always felt like wasn't being utilized right was Blake Martinez and and Giants fans ever were so angry about this and I knew it was going to be awesome uh Blake Martinez got sniped from the Pro Bowl he is amazing um I think that he can only go up from here and something that people uh sleep on with him too is he's very healthy knock on wood he started a full four seasons Mm -hmm. 16 games even when they said he wasn't going to start he played 16 games of four seasons that's impressive um i think that you don't see that all the time where someone stays that healthy and can be that reliable and then also produce at the level that he does produce so i think i so i'm all in on adoree jackson you know if they take a a cornerback, fine. I mean, I'm not going to argue. Anything else that you're going to add to this defense is only going to make it better because you've seen teams like they shut down offenses that were phenomenal last year. Uh, don't like sleep on the fact that the Giants like only lost most games by one to three points. I mean, you ignore that 49ers game and they were in there for a lot of it. 
And uh, so I'm excited to see, especially Xavier McKinney. That's a guy that a lot of people forget that we had because he broke his foot in August during training camp. I mean, he was like one of my biggest rookie crushes last last season. And uh, for him to break his foot right before the season started was awful. Um, so I think you're only going to get great things out of him. He's a very versatile player. Uh, his football IQ, and I say this a lot, the rookies that I love are the guys that their football IQ is so high that they can almost do whatever they want on the field, which is what you're going to get out of Xavier McKinney. You can rely on him. He's not afraid to get in there. Like he's not afraid to uh, wherever the pass is going. Xavier McKinney doesn't care. Like he's in your face, ready to go. Doesn't care what, where his placement is on the field. And he's partly the reason why I think you could slide on a cornerback now that you have a Dory Jackson, because I think, because he did play cornerback. He has played that in college at, at some point. So I think that you could maybe hold off there. I would rather than take like Micah Parsons if we're going to go defense. Um, but I think that someone to look out for this year, especially now that I do IDP, uh, is Xavier McKinney. <laughs> yeah, girl. Dave, you got any strong thoughts on this defense for this Giants team? Man, I got nothing to say that Steph hasn't already covered. I've done a lot of shows <laughs> with Steph before, but I've never heard Steph talk about the uh, the Giants like this. You know, we've had like little little tangents here and there, <laughs> but I'm, I'm blown away by Steph's knowledge of the Giants right now. Way to go. You, you crush that. Dude, and it's so important to, like I said, I wanted to talk to you guys about this because you get a different level of insight from a fan because fans know – not only the team's narratives, they know the players' narratives, and not just the players that everybody knows. They know other players' narratives. Like, and you said, you know, like I said, this the safety the safety group is so versatile. You know, we have Peppers who can play linebacker, who can play strong safety, who can rush the passer, can play free safety. You got Xavier McKinney, like you said, he can play all those positions as well, plus corner. Logan Ryan was a corner until two years ago, and exactly. he plays safety. So you have so much versatility. You have one of the, like you said, the, basically the most rock solid, reliable linebacker in the league. He is up there. I mean, he's like I said, he's discount Bobby Wagner. He gets shit on for whatever reason. Packers fans are so fickle. Um, Y'all messed up letting him walk because he's a he's a beast. He's only what twenty? He's only what twenty five? I was was so twenty six. Leave the NFC North. He's got six (laughs) hundred and sixty three career tackles, and he's only twenty six years old. Right, like this dude's he's a beast. like have sexy Dexy, BJ Hill. Like there's other guys on that yep. defense. Like, and how did, you know, Giants history is, yeah, you have a, a some great wide receiver that gets the job done. But defense has won this story for years. Um, So I'm all in. And, you know, Patrick Graham is a guy, like he is so phenomenal, such a phenomenal defensive mind. Like his signing is probably my, my favorite of, of the entire offseason. Like knowing he was extending his contract to stay there and where he could have potentially looked at uh, a head coach positions is like awesome because you're restoring culture and then people want to play there, whatever, you know, Logan brought a Dory here and I could go on a tangent for, for a very long time, but the defense is something to look out for. And, you know, everyone wants to joke about the NFC East, but I think to sleep on Washington and the giants is a little bit silly to me. Agreed. And those are always the teams that come out of nowhere and get you. Look at the bills. People were just laugh, mm-hmm. hamming it up about the bills just two years ago. Just having a good old laugh. Morons. Idiots. So, all right. That's everything for me. Y'all want to tell us where to find you real quick. We'll let you finish out, Dave. Then we'll let Steffi kick us out. And then I will shut it down. Yeah, you can find me at uh, Football Guys and Fantasy Pros. But really just 
Give me a follow on Twitter at Dave Kluge underscore FF. That's Dave K-L-U-G-E underscore FF. And I'll be putting all my content out on there for you to find. Yep. And same thing with Dave. All my stuff is on Twitter. You guys can find me at Sophie Swans with three L's and I'm with FTN Network and all my stuff will be on my Twitter. Awesome. Guys, this has been so fun. I appreciate you and your time. IDP Army, you know what to do. Go give them a follow. Show love. Show support. We appreciate Dev and Stay, or Dave and Steph. We know they're going to do big things. They're already doing big things. And we are excited to roll into 2021 with them on our side. So until next time, I'm out of here. Let the rain hit the sand. Build a house on a rock. Got a plan. Got to get stocks. Keep them bands. Hit the clock. Tick blades on the fan. Used to be mundane on a Monday. Now you have fun day on a Sunday Cause you're switching it up And you're living it up You ain't getting it enough